Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Another episode of Simply Amazing. Tim Ryder from the Apple. These uh, these New York Metropolitans are moving right along. It's still very early, very small sample size, but uh, from what we've seen so far, this has just been uh, absolutely encouraging. I think everything is kind of coming together, and and it's 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 really not like anything we've seen in 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 recent seasons. This is a a bona fide competitive looking ball club. I mean. You know, we've seen spurts, we've seen hot stretches, we've seen hot starts. This team finished uh, a start of the season eleven and one, you know, twice in recent in recent memory. It doesn't always pan out, but this just feels a little bit different. I mean, this weekend the Mets could have, uh, you know, could have easily swept the Diamondbacks out of City Field. The Diamondbacks are not a great team, but uh, you know they took two or three, and that's always going to play. You know, when it comes down to it, the Mets could have they could have won every game they've they've played so far this season. But you know, this is baseball; things don't always, you know, the cookie doesn't always crumble that way. But I think the Mets are are, are they're making strides. They're they're doing what they're supposed to do. They're beating up on teams that are inferior. Um, this week against the Giants should be a very very good test. There's going to be some excellent pitching matchups. Uh, Logan Webb and Max Scherzer on Tuesday. It's supposed to be a very chilly Tuesday night at City Field. That should be uh, quite the pitching matchup, which of course it'll probably end in a uh, you know a nine eight game or something to that effect. But you know this weekend we kind of saw the Mets at their <laughs> not best offensively. Uh, they at at times or for long periods of, of both Saturday and Sunday's games. Uh, well, all of Saturday's game and most of Sunday's game, I had a very time, very tough time scoring runs, very tough time making stuff happen, um, at least offensively. Once they got the ball rolling on Sunday, things kind of came around, but uh, there was, you know, there were certainly bright spots. Of course, you know, the home opener on Friday was uh, just phenomenal. The Tom Seaver statue unveiling the <laughs> the special celebratory nature of, of that and just the the long long wait to finally be able to celebrate it um you know as a fan base uh, was just you know heartlifting um for the Seaver family for the Mets as an organization you know finally and properly honoring the star of your franchise uh and that you know that title I find it very, very hard to believe that title will ever be, uh, uh, I guess, eclipsed by anyone else. You know, Jacob DeGrom might be, might end up being just as an accomplished a pitcher as Tom Seaver. But what Tom Seaver did as far as taking this franchise from where it was when he got here to where it was, you know, the peaks that he saw while he was here and I guess when he left, um, the loss that was felt just everything kind of culminated in in what should have something that should have happened a very long time ago but you know it is what it is it's happened now and the the joy and the happiness was just it was palpable on friday um you know hearing nancy siever speak so emotionally uh hearing tom's daughter sarah and ann speak again just from the heart they made mets fans feel like they were part of the siever family and you know, of course, from an outside perspective, it felt like the Mets uh, were reminding the Seavers that they are and will always be a part of the Mets family. And it was just a special day. And then, you know, on the field, the Mets showed, I guess, what they are capable of. And they it was just a, a shellacking of the Diamondbacks on, uh, on Friday. And, you know, Saturday, it was a little bit of... Um, 
I guess, you know, coming out flat, whatever the case may be. Again, baseball. Can't really look too far into it. You don't, you're not going to go 160 and two. So, uh, yeah. And the Mets, you know, they came into Sunday a little sluggish again and just kept on pushing, kept on moving, keep on putting the balls in play. Uh, the Mets only struck out 13 times all weekend. I mean, I can remember many games, the Mets striking out 13, 14, 15, 18 times in a game uh, over the last few years. They struck out 13 times all weekend. It's so encouraging. I mean, over the first week of the year, you saw the Mets do the, uh, you know, really, really perform well with runners in scoring position. Um, again, we've talked about how this roster was kind of built for that, bringing in Canna, bringing in Escobar, just kind of filling out the roster with guys who can perform in these spots. We also talked about previously uh, the, I guess, penchant or, or aversion of this roster um, to striking out, you know. Coming into the season, these were all, I think, the highest of the regulars was something like 20.7% strikeout rate. That's not counting James McCann or, or Tomas Nito. But, um, you know, this is a team that was built to not strike out a lot, to hit with runners in scoring position. Didn't see a bunch of that this weekend. But, hey, you still take two out of three. They can't all be seven-run games. And, you know, just kind of keep on moving. Uh, of course, we have to talk about Buck Showalter, uh, you know, we heard about it in spring training, how he was going over the rule book once a day, going over a rule here and there. I was trying to find the tweet on Sunday. I couldn't find it. But we did hear about that during spring training. How Buck Showalter was, uh, I guess, you know, doing a little uh, a little talk before camp or in between sessions or whatever the case may be, just banging around the clubhouse. And they would go over rule book scenarios. On Sunday, lo and behold, one of those uh, rule book sessions – um, paid off. So let's see if I can remember this accurately. And I apologize if I screw it up. It's Sunday night. It's Easter Sunday night. And uh, I'm going off this with very, very minimal notes. So uh, the Diamondbacks thought that Dom Smith was had left third base early on a sacrifice fly uh, to score the Mets' third run on Sunday to go up 3-0. J.D. Davis was on first. Um, so Dom scampers home on the sack fly, apparently from the dugout or however, however it went down, uh, it was known that the Diamondbacks were going to appeal. So JD Davis takes off for second base and gives himself up well, you know, runs at second, but then gives himself up, walks into second base, doesn't slide, doesn't do anything. Oliver Perez, we all love Ali. Uh, as soon as he steps off the mound is when JD Davis went. Perez kind of knew what was it took him a second but he figured out what was going what was going on and I can't remember if if he threw it to second or not but you know the the Arizona Diamondbacks defenders had no idea what was going on it took the viewers a few seconds to find out what was going on. so apparently if JD Davis once he steals once he go once Perez steps off and JD Davis moves to second or goes to second um if he's tagged out, that eliminates the Diamondbacks' opportunity to appeal to play at third. This is new to me. Uh, if you look into MLB's rulebook, the rulebook states, I have it here, appeals must be made before the next pitch or attempted play or before the entire defensive team has left fair territory if the play in question resulted in the end of a half inning, which doesn't apply here, but... I mean, the, the most it goes into here is appeals must be made before the next pitch or attempted play. For Buck Showalter to interpret interpret that as, oh, well, all we have to do is once he steps off is create a new play and they can't appeal. Now, it turns out Dom left on time. He was good to go there. But somebody must have given Davis the heads up. And again, I'm, I, I'm sure they talked about this after the game, but I was, I was out with family and we were doing our thing, but um, you just uh, so heads up, so savvy, you know, Buck Showalter, we, we have talked for years how, Oh, you know, a, a manager is only a manager. He can't do, he can't win a game. A manager can't win a game. Well, shit, Buck Showalter's doing his, his very damnedest, to win games himself. Um, just a, a very, very heads up play. A, a, you know, 
the type of stuff that experience on the bench should be bringing. And and, and it, it was impressive. It was it jaw droppingly impressive. Uh, yeah, uh, I you know again I, I never knew that that was possible. And of course, once you saw it happen, and once you realized, at least for me, I understood it. Like, oh my goodness, and I you know almost embarrassed that you know I've never even begun to think of that type of scenario. You know, you got a guy like Buck Showalter, who's a, you know, the, the epitome of a baseball lifer. And, you know, this is the stuff that's just creeping around in his head. Just absolutely wild. Um, what a, a terrific turn of events. Um, a very exciting time for, for the fan base, for the organization, everything. It's just above and beyond. This is uh, just too cool. And we're only, what, <laughs> you know, 10 games in. And and a very fruitful ten games. You know the Mets are seven and three. They're in first place. Uh, even without Jacob Degrom, the the rotation has just been phenomenal. I believe it's a one point oh seven ERA for the starters after Sunday's game, which is of course best in the majors. Um, we actually have a few pitching stats here. So the stats, the starting rotation ERA was one point oh seven. As a whole staff, two point three five ERA is third in the majors. Uh, 1.00 whip as a staff is second in the majors. 191 batting average against, also second in the majors. And 106 strikeouts, first in the majors. And, you know, the Mets have had issues with their bullpen so far. And, you know, you know not big issues, but um, not the consistency that we've seen elsewhere throughout the roster. Uh, whether that's just a product of a, a short camp and whether it's Buck or whether it's the relievers themselves, just kind of finding that rhythm, settling into roles. And I'm sure finding roles is still a process and will continue to be a process. Uh, just the turnover with, you know, May was out for a couple of days, so they had to kind of fill gaps there. Uh, Seth Lugo has not looked great. Drew Smith has stepped up considerably. Um I think they're still getting used to not having Castro out there. And, you know, it makes sense that Drew Smith is kind of taking Castro's place. And he certainly has the stuff to do it. And the performance has been there. But, you know, you kind of need all those cogs to be working, all those pistons to be firing. And uh, with May, who was out and came back Saturday and pitched fine. Uh, Lugo, again, has not been consistent. I think he'll come around. And I think we've always kind of seen him snap into form. It kind of takes him some time to, to find that kind of groove, but once he gets into it, you know, we've seen how good he can be. Unfortunately, since the elbow injury really hasn't been that guy, but um, I still have faith. I think his track record speaks for itself. And um, with Jeremy Hefner, who's just, you know, an absolute wizard, <laughs> just look at all the work that he's been doing. Look at the work he's been doing with Tyler McGill. You know, this weekend between uh, <clears throat> David Peterson, Carlos Carrasco, and Chris Bassett, you know, this is this is the meat and petite meat. Excuse me, meat and potatoes section of your rotation. We're not even getting into you know Tyler Walker, Tyler McGill. Walker, by the way, is expected to throw a rehab start this week, and then could be back uh, as soon as his next turn in the rotation. After that, uh, of course, McGill goes Monday. Uh, Scherzer goes Tuesday, both against the Giants. And last we heard on Degrom, he is doing well, but of course, there's going to be some time before we get any real news there. But you know, you look at the weekend, and yes, of course, this is the Diamondbacks, but still, combined between Peterson, Carrasco, and Bassett, these guys went 15 and a third, gave up one earned run on eight hits with six walks and 18 strikeouts. That's, you know, I, I, I think it was our buddy Matt Brownstein who put it up on, uh, on Twitter on Sunday. You know, you look at Jacob deGrom, who in the first half of last season pitched to what, like a 1.10 ERA or 1.08 ERA or something crazy like that. The Mets starting rotation without Jacob deGrom, without Max Scherzer pitching like Max Scherzer. And don't get me wrong, Max Scherzer's been, he's been solid so far, more than solid. He looked really, really good, you know, after the first couple of innings in his last start. But, you know, you got everybody else. You got two through five absolutely dealing right now and it's um it's more it's more than any of us could have ever expected so fast and yes there's a lot of games left and there's a lot of time for 
everything to happen, whether it's good, whether it's bad. You know, we're going to see a lot of stuff happen. It's 162 games. But, boy, this is just uh, over-the-moon level encouraging. Just absolutely thrilling. Um, and then you get to the offense, and, and even the offense is is cruising right along. I mean, just on OPS alone, Lindor is up over 1,000. He's 12th in the majors at 1.048 OPS. Escobar, 909. McNeil, Jeff McNeil. Jeez, uh, I wish I had his numbers in front of me. I know he came into Sunday 11 for 30 on the year. And I don't have his numbers in front of me, but uh, 885 OPS after Sunday, heading into Monday. Pete Alonso's leading the majors in RBIs, uh, second in RBI. sorry. Jose Ramirez overtook him, who's just absolutely ridiculous. And Starling Marte, who started off a little bit slow, he's hitting the ball super hard. But uh, he really came into, came into form this weekend. He had, uh, what, three homers this weekend? No. Two homers, uh, three three run homer on Friday, two run homer on Sunday, on Saturday. Lindor had two homers. But, you know, everyone's just kind of coming along, and this is still without a you know a portion of the roster. You have Nimmo and Canna who are still on the COVID list. I didn't even know if we got into that yet, but uh, yeah, they're on the COVID list. That might be a, a five day thing, could be a ten day thing. We really don't have many details there, but um. It doesn't matter because the Mets are just moving right along. Travis, Travis Jankowski, Travis Jankowski is, uh, of course, the pride of Nichols Road, Stony Brook University, and he's just stepped in and done such a tremendous job. You know, this is a, a, a journeyman, twenty-five, twenty-sixth man on the roster type player who's, you know, bounced all over. I picked up on Travis Jankowski in the majors when he was in San Diego. I was covering, writing about the Padres for. Friars on base. And boy, I'm like, boy, this guy, one, he flies, plays an excellent outfield. And, uh, you know, when he's hitting, he really doesn't stop hitting for a few weeks. And, you know, he'll, of course, he'll, he'll fall off and he'll go back into the doldrums and he'll come back up. But boy, this is the type of, uh, depth that you really kind of want. Same thing goes for, I know he's been here for a while, but he's so underappreciated. Luis Guillorme. Which, of course, now you got to move things around. He was at second on Sunday. McNeil was out in left field. You know, Guillaume's making terrific plays. Making, you know, five-star plays look routine. And that's just, you know, that's just what he brings to the table. But everybody's just producing. And, you know, offensively, I I do have rankings for the team here. And this is Sunday night. So I think the Braves and the Padres are still playing. But... So uh, Mets are hitting 253 as a team. That's seventh in the majors. 12 home runs is third. Nine stolen bases is tied for second. 773 OPS is fifth. 73 strikeouts is 22nd. San Diego Padres are leading baseball with 101. That was heading into Sunday night. And the Mets' 51 runs are tied with uh, tied with the Dodgers for second in baseball. Oakland, excuse me, who's somehow playing terrific baseball with the stripped-down roster, is uh, leading the pack, 53 runs, heading into Monday. Kristen Pache had a very nice game. I believe it was Saturday. Sean Murphy. Sean Murphy's been on fire. I said it on Twitter last year. I mean, he hits tanks. Uh, I'm sure everybody saw the clip of him getting hit by a pitch this week um, right on that dump truck he calls a rear end. That thing was um, – it absorbed – <laughs> whatever that was, 90-something, 90, 90 uh, absorbed it like a champ. Good for Sean Murphy. Happy for him. But, yeah, happy for the A's. You know, I, I hate to see him become, a, well, yeah, we don't need to spend money to win. But, you know, imagine what they would be if they did spend money to win. But, anyway, uh, lots of baseball left, lots of season left. You know, the league itself has been really exciting. Our buddy Parlay Jay is going to come on in the second half. We're going to talk about the league. Uh Jay's going to give us a little intro to, um, I guess, single-game parlays on the MLB side, which is uh, <laughs> like a minefield. But Jerry will take us through all that. We're going to take a quick break here from our sponsors, and uh, we'll be right back. Hang tight. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back. As promised, my guy Jerry, you guys know Jerry, Parlay J over at Diamonds.com. Uh, please check out the, the Twitter feed, check out the site. Jerry, what's happening, bud? I know you're all in, uh, you're fully tied up in, in basketball right now, but thank you for joining us to talk a little baseball. What's up, brother? You know, I always look forward to these. Uh, it's like it's like hanging out with a buddy at a bar, you know? <laughs> yes, sir. Oh, I miss bars. <laughs> I do. I do. I, you know, I, I, I'll stop in and watch a game now and then, but my days of hanging out in bars are long over. <laughs> I, I do sometimes, but I think I spent so much of my 20s in there that now that I'm in my 30s, it's just like, ugh, you know, it's, it's a hassle to even go out. <laughs> Dude, I was sick of bars by the time I was you know, of legal drinking age, but that's another story for a different podcast. <laughs> um, you know, of course, basketball playoffs right now are, are just kicking off and, um, you know, with gambling going mainstream, of course, everyone's attention is there. But I mean, with baseball, you know, I just poke around, um, you know, trying to find plays on the baseball side is a it's a challenge. I know we talked a little bit before I hit record, but, you know, going with chalk, going with short guys seems to be the move. What's your um, what's your approach to baseball, especially under you know a new season? So, I, you know, baseball and football are very alike as far as betting when you have to just feel out that first month of the season just because there's so many players either taking a big leap from the year before or regressing pretty badly. You, you see players fall off a cliff uh, sometimes. It's that one off season. Things just don't go right. They don't they don't train enough for whatever it is. They're content. Uh, you really have to feel out. You need You need data, and you don't have any data to go off of with these new seasons. So right now it's just, I'm having a little fun here and there putting home run parlays. They're all missing, of course, but uh, <laughs> the, the, the serious betting, like that's going to come uh, June, July. That, that That's when you're really seeing consistency from guys. Um, the bats usually wake up in the summertime, you know, the hot weather. Uh, so that's when the money's to be made. But right now it's more of a, you know, sit back. Like you, you'll, you'll take, um, like the White Sox versus a lefty, you, you, you salivate off that kind of stuff, right? You know, like you, you want to bet Tim Anderson for two hits, you know, you just, you just, you love those situations uh, because they've been consistent doing that for two years now. So, and they're still doing it uh, to start the season. So things like that, you want to look out for. Uh, it's so scary betting on pitchers right now because they have such short hooks. Yeah. Um, you know, you're getting good value because the books kind of adjust to it to kind of tease you a little bit. Like, look, this guy usually gets seven strikeouts a game. Uh, we're going to give you six strikeouts at plus money. And it's hit or miss because that guy's up to 60, 70 pitches uh, with five strikeouts and he gets the hook in you know, the fifth inning. Yeah. So it's really, really tricky right now. Uh, a big thing I like, I like to bet like one hit parlays because you get a lot of times you get um, you'll get one hit for, let's say, Minus 250. So if, if people don't know what betting is, minus 250, it, it, it's based off a $100 unit. So minus 250, uh, for example, like plus 100 means that you're betting 100 to win 100. So if you do the math, uh, it, it's everything's based off that $100. So I would I like to take like a couple guys that I think have a really good shot to get a hit that day. Mm-hmm. And I might put three of them together. And before you know it, those three guys to get a hit is plus 180 or whatever it is, you know, even though it's juiced at minus 250, yeah. you're getting, you're getting some return on your, on your dollar. If you're betting $50, $25, you know, I don't, I'm not really a big uh, heavy unit gambler, but I like to flip my money a little bit like that until, you know, once there's some consistency, then you start dabbling with more plus money bets and uh, take this guy for nine K's, 10 K's, you know, stuff like that. But right now it's just more of a build your bankroll. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, like you were saying early in the season, all you can really go off is like career numbers versus a pitcher or, you know, you, you look at a guy, he's got, you know, 
three at bats and one hit. It's like, oh, well, you know, he's seen him, but what does he really know about the guy? What's he going to see in these next three at bats? And yeah, it's very tough to gauge. You know, I have people who reach out just via like diet, uh, via DM or something like, oh, who, who do you like tonight? Like, oh, let me poke around. <laughs> whole space in the lefty. Cause like, you know, you, there's, there's little things that, you know, like, all right, well, you know, Albert Pujols is always going to hit lefties. Um, same thing with Andrew McCutcheon always hits lefties. You know, there's there's little things, but there, yeah, there's a lot of, um, I guess, a lot of little uh, nooks and crannies to learn as the season goes on. It's kind of tricky. And it's, it's, the the regression thing is big. It, it's you 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 root for these guys. You see guys uh, uh, with a lot of potential, like a, a Rosarena. I, I like him so much. I think he has so much potential to be a power hitter, and it's just not coming. You know what I mean? Like I'm I'm I've been wanting. I bet him a few times already to hit a home run. I'm thinking he's going to get his first home run of the season. We're already a week into the season. Like. By now, a lot of these power hitters, they all have home runs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Except for Freddie Freeman, who's another one that's drought uh, in a drought right now. But uh, it's just it's it, you try to time it right. I'm really, really big on betting home runs mm-hmm. for people that I believe are due. If I look at a guy uh, like Freddie Freeman, for example, like I, I'll look at him, I'll say, wow, he hasn't had a home run yet. Like th- this is crazy. This guy can crank out 30 home runs a season, 25, 30 easily. Uh, he's due to hit a home run. I bet it last night he didn't hit a home run, but that's the kind of thing you got to live with. But he might do it tonight. And then I'm going to yeah. say, look, he was due for a home run. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, it's a crazy, weird concept because it, 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 there really is no. You look at it logically, it's like it makes sense, but scientifically it doesn't because every game is different. You know what I mean? Like every at bat is new, but the odds are this guy's going to hit a home run eventually. You know what I mean? So if yeah. you see a guy in a big drought, Maybe now's the time. I had a crazy, so one the craziest, I say it's the craziest thing I've ever done in gambling. <laughs> I So Jorge Alfaro, I bet him three times last season to hit a home run. He hit a home run every single time I bet him. <laughs> he only hit four on the year. <laughs> it was the craziest thing. And like I would post on Twitter, I think I think today's the day. Be, he would go like a month without hitting a home run. That was his thing. Like he went he went like a little over a month or so and he would just wouldn't hit a home run. He has a lot of pop. He just hasn't oh. been hitting them. Uh and and it's the weirdest thing. I'm like, I have a feeling that, that this guy's dude, this guy's gonna hit a home run. And it's a plus eight hundred bet. And I bet it three times last season. He went yard every single time. It's the craziest, I tell everybody, it's the craziest thing I've ever had in gambling. <laughs> I, and I was looking at Brandon Lau in Tampa Bay for like the first week. And I'm like, oh, he, you know, he's going to hit a home run. He hit 30, 30 something home runs, almost 40 home runs last year. And it took him like five games to hit his first home run. Now he's coming into his own. He's got three now. I think he had a nice weekend. Um, yeah, you just kind of got to find those waves. You know what I do? I look back and I look at their last five games, see who's hot. And I'll go with those hits. I'll go with total bases. Um, I like the strikeouts. I wish they would. Uh, I guess give you, I guess they have alternate strikeouts, but if the pitcher doesn't really have a track record, they don't even add them. But I, you know, I know these guys, I know these guys making their first or second career starts just from watching minors and stuff like that. And, you know, I know, you know, what's the guy oh, we saw him last week against Chicago. Shit. I, uh, I forgot his last name already. Nasty stuff. And I knew he was coming up and I'm like, boy, they're going to have a really hard time picking this up. And they did, but they didn't even have alternate strikeouts up for the guy. You got to think that they'll get there as, as the uh, season goes on. You know what's crazy? Like, watch over the years, we've seen a million guys come up uh, from from AAA just to make a spot start or whatever it is. And I feel like most of the time, these guys excel past our expectations, and they, we we always get excited because it's there's not much of a scouting report. They they never seen this guy before. Plus, they're throwing their hardest. Their family, their friends are there. Uh, it's their first career game. They're all hyped up on, you know, adrenaline. And these guys usually overperform. So that, that might be a good thing to look out for. Uh, a lot of guys making their debut. Yeah. Oh, I mean, you know, you have these guys coming up and especially guys with great secondary stuff where, you know, you might have a 99 mile an hour fastball, but these are major league hitters. They're going to catch up to that. They're going to time it. and They're going to crush it. But you got a guy coming up. Who was it? Logan Gilbert last year came up with the Mariners. Um and just, you know, absolutely dealt. He was amazing. And then, you know, eventually these, again, the major league hitters, they're going to catch up to a guy. But, yeah, for those first few starts, um, you might have lightning in a bottle. You really don't know. 
Yeah, look at Chris Flexen when he reinvented himself and hitters didn't know the stuff that he had in his, in his arsenal when he came back. Uh, where did he go? He went to Japan, right, for that one year? Yeah, went to Japan, and, came uh, back, and he's one of the best relievers in baseball last year. Yeah, he ended up yeah really working on his craft, and he uh, added uh, to his well, arsenal. He was a starter. Wait, wait, maybe he was starting games. He was starting, yeah. he was start- He's still starting. Yeah. For some reason, uh, I had him but in the bullpen. He, that was probably just well. He was in the bull, he was he was in the bull, he was mixed. He was a bullpen sp- spot starter for the Mets. But uh, yeah, he went to Japan and then he added a couple pitches. And then the hitters yeah. had no scouting report on this. Thirty-one starts last year, huh? Yeah, yeah. I'm in, my, in my head, he's still a fucking reliever. But yeah, good for him. Yeah, we 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 know him as the long man, the spot starter, and then yeah. uh, we let him go for nothing. And of course, he be ended ended up. Uh, Looking real good. <laughs> yeah, he got. I think that was one of Brody's last moves was DFA and flexing. Yeah, and uh, Kalenic, I, I feel bad for the kid. Like I, I see so many fans rooting against him, and he's he's struggling. He finally hit his first home run of the season, but what today? Uh, I just no, he hit it uh, two 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 games ago. He oh right, right, that was season. in Chicago. Yeah, and I, I just feel bad for the kid because like a lot of. I, I get the the saltiness that we lost him as a prospect. He didn't ask for the trade. You don't have to root oh. against the guy. Like, I oh, look at him. him. Yeah, you want to root for the guy. Like, it, it's just it's kind of sad. It's like, you know, everybody's like, oh, look, he he sucks anyway. Who cares? It's like, uh, it's, it's who cares? It's it's oh, already over. Edwin Diaz is, is a stud. We got a good reliever. It's yeah. It's it's in the past. Sure. Imagine if he was here and hitting one eighty. Uh, one for whatever he's at right now. And, you know, people will be freaking out. Um, oh, yeah. You know, at the time, it was huge. And I, I still have all the faith in the world that Kellenic's going to be really, really good. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, you know, you, you move on. Like you said, they got Diaz. Diaz has really found his, uh, found his way after that first tough season. But, oh, I love him. Yeah, I, these Mets, I was, you know, I did, I did a first half of the show, just kind of recap the weekend, but you're a diehard, man. You got to be excited about this team. Oh, my goodness. It's just, there's such a different feel that I've never felt, maybe since 2006. I think I would compare that, that same feeling of uh, just the team is just business. Like they, they, they have a purpose. They go out in the field every game. And uh, I like, I wasn't really a big believer in Buck. I'm, I, I didn't really know too much about him. He was a manager when I was like, you know, young. Uh, yeah. So, and, and I'm, I'm, I was more pushing towards uh, analytics and more advanced, like, you know, new age baseball. So I'm thinking like, oh, this, this, this guy's older, old school. He is brilliant, man. He is something else. <laughs> He's amazing. I was talking about the play on Sunday in the first half. The, uh, you know, I guess he was doing a uh, little rule book sessions during spring training. And then mm-hmm. it paid off on Sunday. That was amazing. I never saw anything like that with the uh, that the, uh, that that uh, stealing to just to just to throw away and out just in case that the guy was out. Uh, uh, to stop the tagging up. Yeah, that's I've never seen that. Ever. I've never even heard. It. I never. You know, I was I looked up the rule book and I'm like, you know, all it says is that it has to happen. The appeal has to happen before the next pitch or attempted play. And for him to interpret play, the rule yeah. that way, oh my god, that's incredible. Now, how like how does it was it was it was JD Davis at first? How do you relay that sign to tell him just run? Like like how like, they must all be just trained about this already? They, I think I, I, again, I, I really wasn't paying attention to the post game pressures and stuff, but I did see a couple of notes that this was gone over in spring training. They, they you know they they went over scenarios out of the rule book, and, and this one happened to be in there. And I guess somebody got his attention and said, go, go, go. And I, you know, he caught the defense. I think Oliver Perez um, knew what was going on. Once he stepped he off, did. he did. Going. He kind of figured yeah, he it didn't, out, but the rest of the defense didn't have a clue. And that, that's another thing I was going to bring up. Cause like Oliver Perez had the, the, the right minds to say, no, forget that guy going to second base. I'm still going to do this appeal. And that, that's good on him. Like that's uh, yeah. in, in that moment, I probably would have panicked and threw the ball into the outfield. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> And you see Davis, he gives himself up and he walks into second. He doesn't even slide. Nobody even looks <laughs> like everyone's like got their hands up. It was, um, yeah, unreal. And that's like you were saying, it's kind of just the advantage that you get with experience on the bench. And I, I didn't expect it to pay off like this. And this is, uh, it's incredible. Just the, 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 the mindset. And you could almost like feel it just watching the team on TV. You can feel the, um, 
I think you put it perfectly. It's all business. They're they're here to win games, and that's what they're going to do. And they, they, you know, this is a weekend that the offense really wasn't even there all the way, and they're still just, you know, let's find a way to win. <laughs> and they pull this out of their ass. It was amazing. <laughs> they're just grinding right now, and it, yeah. it, it, you know what we're gonna we're gonna enjoy this season is you can already see it. Uh, a big difference with runners in scoring position and two outs, yeah. like situations like that. Where these guys come to the plate, they have a world of confidence. They're not trying to do too much. I don't know what changed mentally because it's a lot of the same guys in the, on the roster. But yeah. these guys step in the box. They're like different guys this season. Well, you know, I think between the just the overturn, whether it's uh, management, whether it's the front office, new guys coming in, new hitting coaches, I think everyone just kind of relaxed. I mean, I was saying it to, I want to say my mother. On Sunday, I'm like, look, you haven't seen Jeff McNeil smile this much in years. <laughs> and, and, you know, he's hitting well. You could tell he's got that confidence back, but he's actually having fun out there. I mean, this is Jeff McNeil who screams fuck every chance he gets. <laughs> yeah. And, and he's out there laughing and smiling like this is. Yeah, it's um, it's it's certainly a different vibe. It's uh, it's exciting. It, it's just a, it's a whole lineup of protection. Everybody can hit up top yeah. to bottom and a DH. Forget it. <laughs> are, are you? Are, do, do you miss the pitcher hitting? I don't miss it at all. No, no. <laughs> I, I, I was never. Maybe when I was little, I enjoyed watching pitchers. Ah, look at this guy. He sucks hitting, you know, but when <laughs> I got older, it's like I, I want some offense, you know? Yeah. People keep bringing up like the Bartolo. You'll never have a Bartolo home run or something like that. Who cares, man? Yeah. Give me that guys that can hit. It was good. That was that doesn't have to happen. Like, you know, we got to see one. We got to see Bartolo hit a home run. Can't we just leave it at that? It's perfect. If guys like really want to hit like, uh, you know, they'll put them in in a blowout. If a pitcher really wants to just try it out or whatever, put them in in a blowout, let them pinch hit for fun, stuff like that. Maybe we'll see in the future. But I really do not want to see hitters, uh, pitchers hit, even though we had an advantage because we always have good hitting pitchers (laughs) over the years. Oh, Matt, Syndergaard, DeGrom could hit. Even going back, like Seaver and Gooden could hit. Um, yeah. I mean, I'll never forget uh, freaking Syndergaard hitting two home runs in the game uh, at Dodger, uh, Stadium. In Dodger Stadium. Yeah. And that, 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 uh, that dead center, left center bomb that sticks in my head. I'm like, holy Christ shit. <laughs> you know, he had a really good start. He really good start Saturday in, uh, for the Angels. He's pleased with well. him. His changeup looks great. And that's another thing, you know, a lot of people are upset about it. Who cares? He was he was only going to be here for another year anyway. You know, it was, was going to be a one year deal. Let him let him live what how he wants to live. Like the, a lot of these players are human. I mean, a lot of these all of these players are human <laughs> beings. A lot of these players may some of them are aliens. Look at Jacob DeGrom. You know, it's like, <laughs> Show him. but Show him. <laughs> planet, man. But like a, a guy like that, you don't know what that like. They maybe they have family in California or something like that. Like they, they maybe they grew up an Angels fan. Let them do what they want and go where they want. Like I'm happy. I'm so happy for Marcus Stroman. He looks happier than ever. I mean, Chicago is a great fan base. That that is just such a great place. Wrigley Field. Uh, oh yeah. I, like if I wasn't if I wasn't going to the Mets, I'd probably want to play for the Cubs just because it, I want to play at Wrigley. You know, stuff like that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm happy for him too. Oh, I'm, you know, I'm very happy for him. And, and, you know, things got soured in New York. And, and you know, it, it is what it is. I think uh, he performed very well for the Mets last year. And, you know, the, the exit wasn't probably too, uh, you know, ideal for anyone. But I mean, you know, he's moved on and he's going to do fine. I know he got hit, hit hard in Colorado, this, uh, his last star. I think it was Friday. Got beat yeah, up. but he, he, but he gets those once in a while. And he bounces yeah. back. Hey, to his credit, for the Mets last year, he really didn't. He didn't. He, he stayed out of trouble really, really consistently. But, uh, yeah, you know, there's always going to be um, ups and downs. Yeah, as a fan, I, I wish him the best. But I think his time in New York is probably done. Yeah, it's uh, it's just tough, man. I, I could never be a professional athlete in New York just because we're in the social media era. People say yeah. some nasty shit online, like oh. nasty. They will say the most repulsive, um, unimaginable things to, to these athletes and their DMs. And a lot of them are, are, are snapping back and people don't like it. You know, they're appalled. You say something nasty to them. They say something nasty back and they're just in shock. Like, how can you do that? But these are human beings, you know, at the end of the day. So I, I don't I don't really bash anybody, especially players, because sometimes they're looking at their Twitter feed. They don't want to see that shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Exactly. I mean, you know, and this goes for any player who, who has an online persona. I think being putting yourself out there, you kind of invite that, but nobody should have to go through some of the things that some of these guys go through. Um, oh, absolutely not. But I guess, you know, there, there also has to come a point that you kind of just got to unplug and say, oh, I got a fo- I got a job to do. Let me focus on. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. that, that goes for all of us. I think even me just banging around on Twitter, it can get really, really frustrating sometimes. And, you know, even borderline toxic. And you just kind of got to step away. Like um, I enjoyed really <laughs> not going on Twitter pretty much at all on Sunday. I think I <laughs> popped on during the game a couple of times, but yeah, just staying away from it is a, uh, it's a blessing in disguise sometimes. Now you want to kind of stay in the zone and, and stay keyed into everything that's going on. But yeah, you got, you kind of have to take a step back because that place can get, um, get I mean, I, I, I've been really biting my tongue lately. I just, I look at these comments, <laughs> especially like a guy like that loves New York, like Seth Lugo. All right. He's going through a rough patch right now. He's uh, struggling. And then you'll see like, oh, Seth Lugo did, uh, gave up a run, whatever on, online and then all the comments are like this guy sucks this guy's got to get out of here i'm like this is i mean but it's the old school mentality of that's how we were raised too like our grandfathers would yell at the tv this guy sucks so you know it's it's and now it's bleeding over to twitter you know well you know new york's always been um what have you done for me lately town especially when it comes to its sports teams and you know especially with expectations this high the weak link is going to hear it if everyone else oh, is playing yeah. well and there's one or two weak links, those we, those one or two weak links are going to hear it. And I think that's even more motivation for these guys to, you know, step it up. And I think I talked about it a little bit before we got on it. You know, Lugo, um, he has the track record. He's been very successful. I think after the elbow surgery, he's kind of had trouble finding his, his groove, but um, yeah, I got confidence. He'll, he'll, he'll find it. I think that between him, his talent and, uh, and Hefner kind of nudging him along. I think he's going to be all right. Yeah, we. I mean, we we don't have the most bullpen depth, but I think we have enough to get by with a couple guys struggling here and there. You know, it's it, we'll be fine as long as you know the starters are just phenomenal right now. It's just ridiculous, <laughs> ridiculous. I said it in the first half between uh, Bassett, Carrasco, and Peterson this weekend. They went fifteen and a third, gave up one earned run, struck out eighteen. <laughs> That's, like, that's the middle of your rotation. Like, you what got- was the stat with Bassett? That was uh, the first. He was the, he's the first player with two starts with a new team and one one. What was it? One earned run. Yeah, uh, or less. Eleven, I think. I, I don't know the exact. I think that was in the game notes. Um, I did breeze over. I don't have it in front of me, but yeah, he's been incredible, man. He throws six different pitches in his first start. He threw, I think it was his four seam and his slider like 50% of the time and mixed in everything else. His second start turned it on its end. He started with his cutter and his sinker and then mixed in everything else behind that. It just, um, you know, if you don't know what's coming at you and you're on your toes and you have to guess out of six pitches, oh, as a hitter, man, you're just, you're in the weeds. He's kind of got a, like a New York attitude too. You When he's, he's saying he's going to go right after these guys, I don't care who you are, who your name is, like... <laughs> I love it. He's um. I want to say he's. I know he's a, he's an East Coast guy, but he's he's from the South. But um, yeah, yeah, tough as nails. We love we love that. <laughs> we need um, a good brawl. That's what we need. <laughs> oh, you know, it, it's always fun. I I, re- I was kind of expecting it to happen last week with the whole Nats thing, and you know, oh, I thought for sure that that game I was expecting it for sure, and uh, we almost did. But <laughs> yeah, it, it t- yeah these days it really takes a lot for teams to start you know, throwing punches on the field. I think the, uh, who was it, the Cardinals and the Pirates a few years ago? That was a, a really, really good one. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of like the last time we actually saw punches thrown from a Mets team. A lot of these guys are just like, they're too, they're too friendly outside now. Everybody's close. They're social media close. They talk to all these different uh, baseball players across the league now, whether it's text messages or FaceTime. Back then, you played on in the eighties, you played on the Cardinals. You didn't, you didn't talk to anybody on the Mets, you know, unless you picked up your landline phone. And call. Oh, that's like, a, you know, the NFC East, you know, up until maybe 10 years ago, there was no, you know, Hey, how you doings before and after the game between the giants and the Eagles and the giants and the Cowboys. It was, uh, it wasn't really like that, but you know, I guess like you were saying before, these guys are all humans. These are just guys going to work. Um, 
you know, the whole uh, rivalry. I guess it's one thing. I'm sure there are teams that genuinely dislike each other, but, you know, I get it. I'm always – I played a little bit of – when I wasn't behind the plate and, you know, when I was playing ball, I was at first base. I would do the whole mixing it up, you know, shooting the shit with these guys. And, you know, there, there's no, like, I guess, no malice unless, you know, people start – um pushing buttons. And I think with the Nats and the Mets, he saw button, buttons getting pushed. I'm very curious to see how that pans out over the course of the year. Oh, we're going to revisit it for sure. There's, there's too many opportunities. As soon as the next pitch is high and tight. To, I just don't want to see a bean war, man. People get hurt when you start throwing baseballs at fucking heads. And they're, they're blaming it on the, the, the slick ball. And, uh, <laughs> but why, why the Mets? <laughs> like there's yeah. a, you know, there's a whole league out there. The Mets aren't hitting guys like that. You know, control at some point, you got to control your pitches, you know? Yeah. Uh, hey, you know, uh, if you want to pitch inside, there's a very thin line between, you know, intimidating someone or moving them off the plate and, uh, and potentially causing a lot of damage. So these are professionals. If you if you can't hit your spots, maybe you shouldn't be up here. But, you know, the Nationals have a ton of problems. Finding the plates probably just uh, one of the items on the list. Oh, I hate that they want a ring, man. It, it, it would be so much more pleasurable watching this uh, collapse of a franchise, but they already got that ring under their belt to, to, to toss in front of us. So it's, it's our turn now. We, you know, we had the Braves, you know, in front of us with a ring. We got the Nationals. We got the Marlins that won in 2003. It's like, it's our time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, it, and you got to imagine that they're set up for it. Um I like Miami, man. The Marlins are a really, really good team. I don't see them uh, fall into the basement very any anytime soon. Not with that pitching staff. Oh, and even the offense, man. You got Jazz, Hey uh, uh, Sanchez, um, and Jorge Soler. Those guys are just, you know, they can power an offense. And then you got good pieces all around too, and the pitching. Forget it. That's a that's a Jazz. Jazz Chisholm got some swagger about him, huh? Yeah. Uh, he hit another triple today. I think he had two triples. He, <laughs> he is the next big, bright star that he's going to, he, he's going to make himself a star, even if the stats aren't there. Cause he, he is, uh, he is flamboyant. I, you got to love it though. This is what the league needs. Guys like that. Fernando Tatis esque, you know, like uh, just, it, it's a whole new era and I'm, I'm loving it. Oh yeah. No, the emotion, the, the, the you know, the, the bat flip era. I, I'm a big fan. Um, it's funny because, you know, even probably five years ago, I was a little, you know, in, in the right spot. Sure. Flip your bat. Let me see some emotion. I think Max Muncy, and this is years ago, uh, hit a first inning home run at City Field and he like threw his bat. He's like pounding his chest. I'm like, dude, it's the first inning. It's a solo <laughs> home run. What are you doing? And then it, it kind of grew on me. I like it. It's good for the game. I love the, um, the energy, the emotion. It's baseball. It's supposed to be fun. Go ahead. Let's have some fun. I get goosebumps watching back at that uh, that Lindor three home run game when he's flexing his muscle around first base. Uh, the announcer going back nuts. at the Yankees dugout because that, that was all. That was, it was all about them whistling to call pitches against uh, Walker. Yeah. Well, at least yeah. that, that was what they were accused of. And as he's rounding second base towards third, he looks into the dugout and he's whistling at him. I'm like, oh, that's amazing. <laughs> that's a flex, man. Oh man, I, it's just that that game. Just I watched that those clips all the time, and the announcers were great that day. I don't uh, who who were the announcers that game? ESPN, I think. Um, it was ESPN, uh, yeah. Maybe no, maybe it was Fox. No, I think it was was it? I don't know, but it was it was the calls were on point. <laughs> oh, maybe yeah, no, maybe it was Sunday Night Baseball. It was the night. Yeah, we'll say yeah, it was Sunday Night Baseball. That's what it was. Yeah. The black jerseys. No, no, no. It was the. Um, it was Friday night. That was Friday, but then the the they were wearing the other ones on nine eleven game, the ones all white with the away New Yorks. Right, right, yeah, yeah. That was those things were great. Yeah, I guess uh, maybe this week they'll wear the Fridays. Are they are they home this Friday? I know they're home through the week. I don't know if they stay home. They might be going out of uh, going out of town after the Giants series. I'm not sure. They, they're going to wear the blacks a little more this year, right? Because they took yeah. one another jersey out of rotation. They took the away blues out and now it's only away grays, I believe, but I think they're going to still do Friday night black uniforms at home. I would love to see them put the away uniform, the, the away blacks. I really yeah, that, break those. I, out. I was hoping. Great. 
oh, it was a great uniforms. Oh, man, I, I, I hope they do bring it back. I mean, a lot of people were against it. It's here. It is what it is. It's here. I love the blacks. I'm wearing my black Lindor jersey right now. It's uh, my favorite oh, jersey. Black of all Lindor? Time. Very cool. I haven't. I still have my black Cliff Floyd. That's my own. I, I have David Wright, too. <laughs> I haven't got any of the new guys. I feel Cliff like Floyd's one of my all time favorites, like by I'm the way. I'm old for jerseys now. I, I go to put them on and I'm like, ah, oh, I'm like pushing 40. What am I doing? But then you yeah, put it on. Mean- I got my Gary Carter. It's opening day. Let's go. Like, <laughs> I'm torn. I, I- you're kind of right because I, I I wore jerseys a lot when I was younger, like all the time. And now I wear them. I'm like, it's like a bar thing, you know, like going to a bar kind of kind of uh, attire. Oh, dude, I, the football Sunday. There used to be so this guy came into the bar. I used to I worked at a pizza place at nights and weekends for, for years as my second job. This guy would come in on football Sundays every Sunday in a different jersey, whoever he was betting on. So he's got his. uh with Danley and Tomlinson Chargers jersey, the big baby blue one. I'm like, oh, he, every weekend I'd see him come in from, you know, come in and get a slice. But yo, where's the baby blues, bro? Could have put the baby blues back on. Like, no, we're heels today. I'm like, get out, go, you're gone. That's, that's funny. So he would wear the jersey of whatever team he was betting on that day. Oh, and dude, he must have had a closet full because he had different ones. He had Randy Moss Vikings. He had, you know, Randy Moss Raiders. You could tell this guy was just so immersed in, uh, in his sports. And I guess like we all are. Jerseys were expensive back then too. You, you had to go to the, 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 the stores to get them. Oh my God. You, do you ever go onto the actual Mitchell and uh, Mitchell and Ness website? Yeah. Like, look, look, you're looking at like two fifty for some of them. Easy. Oh, if you want like uh, my buddy got a 86 or 80, I think it was 86 Larry Bird Celtics Jersey. He paid like four eighty for it. I'm like, what are you doing? Oh. <laughs> like, yo, we got to show you some of these websites from China, man. You get the same thing. Oh, when I, 60 bucks. When I, was in, when I was in high school, the big flex was people wearing authentic uh, basketball jerseys, paying three, four hundred dollars. Oh. And uh, there would be fights in school because the kids that were poor would like pour glue on them without them knowing and just destroy their jerseys and stuff like that. And it was just it was just mayhem, mayhem with these uh, authentic jerseys in high school. It was a, a crazy era. Yeah. No, well, you know, the throwbacks were really popular for a while. I remember um what were the the, the Houston Tequila Sunrise jerseys with the orange blue, uh, the old 80s yeah. Astro jerseys. <laughs> Those things were were popular. Um I have a, a Hartford Whalers and a Minnesota North Stars jersey around here somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I mean, you know, jerseys I I I was a big big fan of jerseys and you know, I guess I'll get them from the kids before I get them from me now. I don't know. I'm still a hat. I still wear my Mets hat all the time. But yeah, I just I I, I just don't wear jerseys anymore. It's not like a conscious thing, but yeah. I, I don't know. I'll, I'll always be a hat guy, though. I don't care how old I am. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I It's funny. Like when I was a kid, like, you know, you're older, your grandparents, your aunts or something, like take your hat off when you come in the house. Like, oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone's <laughs> gone now. I'm just going to wear my hat all the time. They used to try to scare me when I was little, like my, my grandparents, stuff like that. I'd be like, stop wearing your hat all the time. You're going to go bald. Yeah, that was, that, that was the big thing. Yeah, of course, always. And they point to like the uncle, the, the bald uncle. Be like, see, he wears <laughs> hat all the time. Look at him. You want to look like a cue ball? <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, Nana Rose, I wish I could show you now. I'm pushing for it. I'm a full head of hair. <laughs> I don't know. I looked in the mirror today and I'm like, oh, I'm getting a little bit thin over here. I'm like, oh, oh boy, man. I got a spot or two <laughs> uh, in the back, in the crown. Um, oh, my man. barber pointed it out. He's like, you want me to put a little something on it? I'll put a little spray. I'm like, no, <laughs> no. absolutely not. Do you remember? Uh, you remember Carlos Boozer? Yeah. Uh, do you remember uh, when oh, he was a player at Duke? His bro. head? One of the best college basketball players I've watched. Him and uh, uh, Iowa State. He went to the Nets. Kenyon Martin. Oh, yeah. They were just physical dominant players. Yeah. Do you remember when Carlos Boozer painted his head after he went bald? Yeah. Oh, my God. That, I still can't believe he did that. It was literally looked like marker on his head. Yeah. <laughs> that was the Rudy Giuliani from a couple of years ago. It was like dripping off the top of his head. Now yeah. you got guys like Le- LeBron who you can't even tell that they're going bald because they get these transplants every year. Yeah. No, and that's what he said. It's my barber. He's like, you know, you can do that. It's just a little spot. I'm like, dude, I really don't care that much about it. 
It doesn't bother me. Like I'm going gray in my in the side of my head. My beard's going gray. I don't give a shit. Like it doesn't bother me. I'm just getting old. It's like oh, <laughs> cover it up. And I don't want to stop bothering yeah, me they, about it. They they, just, they they try too hard. My barber's trying. All <laughs> he's saying, oh, we'll put let's uh, let's die because I'm getting grays now. He's like, oh, let's die. I'm like ah, I don't care, dude. So oh, yeah, it's, no, it doesn't bother me at all. My prime is over. I've accepted it. <laughs> my wife says I look distinguished. Quit fucking with it. <laughs> uh, so who do you like in the playoffs, in the NBA playoffs? I know we're just getting started, but you going chalk here? Do you think someone's going to come out of nowhere or what? I mean, it's so, you know, the Nets just lost that, that first game. Hell of a uh, game. It was a great game. It was a great game, but I kind of, expected the Celtics to win that first game. And now I feel like the, the, the nets are about to go on a crazy run. It's it just like of dominance. Cause now, you know, Kyrie had a big game. KD had a horrible game and he is not going to have horrible games. Often he got it out of the way. It's it adds fuel to the fire. They don't get content. They see that they're, they're human. And uh, I think we're going to see a, a really, really big nets run coming. Yeah, I think Marcus Smart is going to um, continue playing really well. I, I Al Horford is, like, timeless. Um, I, I, like the Celtics, I like the Celtics roster a lot, but I, I, with everyone on the, on the Nets, I mean, Bruce Brown is a really, really good young player. Yo, did Drummond get hurt today? I saw he came out with only, like, 14 minutes. He doesn't play much. It's his rotations. They like to go small. Uh, Nash has been doing that with him all season. He just – he, he – you know, it, it, I know better not to bet on him because uh, he just yanks him and he just doesn't play him anymore. It's It's been a thing all season where you look at his rebounds, you're like, ah, he should definitely get nine to ten rebounds in this game. He'll have six at halftime and he'll play four minutes in the second half. It's, yeah. it's just uh, it's just how they, they rotate. They decide with whether they're going to play small, whether they're going to play big. And DeAndre Jordan is just uh, a liability. You know, uh, not, yeah, I'm, did I say yeah, I'm in uh, Andre Drummond. Sorry. I mean, I'm I'm sorry. I said Andre Drummond because Jordan is there too, right? He's on the bench. Where's Where's DeAndre Jordan? I saw him. I saw him. He he was on. He was on my TV screen yesterday. Dallas? No. Uh, Philly. Philly. There you go. Thank you. Yeah. I knew I saw him on Uh, TV yesterday. Yeah, you caught me off guard. I went blank for a second. No, he's he's been (laughs) uh, he's he's been traveling the league like Dwight Howard the last few years. Hey, Dwight Howard actually finished. I watched a couple of Lakers games at the end of the year. He looked really good. Yeah, he looks. It, it, it's just crazy to me. Like, yeah, he looks. He looks good. He looks. Uh, he's very serviceable right now. I'll put it that way. Yeah. But just to see how some of these players go, like Dwight Howard was one of the most dominant players I've ever watched in basketball history. Yeah, oh just some God. of those. Like he was just jumping like from the free throw line. These crazy dunks, blocking everything. What was he uh, when they played the, the Lakers in the finals? This has to be, what? This got to be 15, 20 years ago. No, that was 2008. All right, that's 15 years, right? 14 years? No, like no, 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 that wasn't, no. Oh, it's got to be. It's got to be back there, bro. I was still in my rambunctious youth years at the time. Um, but yeah, uh, he was unstoppable. <laughs> dominant. He carried that team basically. You know, they had they had some good players, but he was just on another level. And then then you watch him now. Who else was on that? What's that? Uh, Quentin Richardson, I think, was on that Magic team. Uh, Jameer Nelson. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, Jameer Nelson Jr. is playing. I think he's in college now, and he's like a stud. Really? Yeah. Let me look. We got Gary Payton's son now. Like, what what is going on? Yeah, we're getting old, man. We're getting old. Do you you remember all these juniors? The uh, the Bulls Sonic final during the dynasty, dude. The Sonics really a couple of breaks, bro. They really could have given Jordan and them a run. That was a great series. You know what I'm just thinking about right now? Like this is going to be insane in two years when we watch LeBron James play with his son in the league. Yeah. Oh, that's dude. That's going to be such a ploy when the um when the draft comes around because he's already said that he wants to play with his son. That's like his goal yep. before he retires. Oh my God! The the the, the games that are going to be played to try and draft him and acquire LeBron are going to be crazy. He he's making his son no matter the skill level. He's making his son a first round pick. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's, it's it, now. It, dude. He, he what? He's got to be cleared past a million, uh, class past a billion by now, right? LeBron. 
what money wise? Yeah, between oh, and contracts, he's oh. got to be cleared a billion by now. Has um, to, has to. It's just a business. All he has to do is start the market. And I'm sure, you know, from what I hear from all reports, Bronny is going to be a very, very good player. But yeah, at this point, man, you just get the, the marketing wheel rolling and it, you could let, let him grow into it. He's going to be a superstar right from the jump. I heard the other son is going to be even better. <laughs> I didn't even know there was another one. Oh, my God. Yeah. The, the, yeah, the, one, the, the one that's younger than him. I heard he's going to be even better than him. Imagine all these James in the league. And then these kids are going to have kids in, in 30 years. You're going to have 10 James in the league. They're, gonna have, they're monopolizing. They're Caesar in baseball. That's like, that? um, it, it, but, you know, you get drafted just on, not just on the name, of course, but even the guy we saw this weekend from Arizona, uh, Varsho. His dad was a ball player in the 80s. He played for the Pirates. He played for, uh, damn it, he was somewhere else. But, yeah, I mean, like, these guys, they have access to training, to facilities. They have it, you know, they're genetically inclined to be very, very good baseball players. It's in their blood. Um, well, Piazza was drafted as a favor. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, his dad was like uh, Lasorda was his godfather or something, right? Yeah. <laughs> Imagine sometimes it works out. Godfather, he shows up at like Fourth of July. Just no, not Fourth of July, middle of the baseball season, but shows up at like a family party, just talking all that shit. <laughs> Yo, Lasorda was awesome, man. He was so funny. Yeah, like, that was a little. I was a little kid when he was a manager. Oh my god, we would go to Shea, and you know. My dad's company always had decent seats. We were always down at the, like the field level before the game. And you just see him like holding court in front of the dugout, talking with players, talking with staff, talking with cops, talking with people. Yeah, he was a blast, man. He was very, very. He was just great for the game. I know people had their issues with him, but boy, what a uh, just a benchmark for baseball. And I, I feel like we got that with Buck now. Buck loves everybody. He talks to everybody. He's uh. Even his videos out there of him playing pranks on players like this, this is it's just di a different vibe right now. Yeah, it is. It really is. I think that's kind of brought us full circle here back to the uh, back to the vibe. And, and dude, we, we kind of got way off kilter as far as uh, conversation. But this was great. This what I tell you when we get when I get on here, it's like hanging out at a bar when you just you're talking about 25 different subjects. And then before you know, you're 10 beers, deep, 10 beers deep and two shots and you're getting carried home. You know, <laughs> uh, I don't, see, I miss the bar. I do not miss that. Yeah, yeah those, those uh, you know, when to stop once two o'clock in the morning came, I probably should have went home, but I stayed till four. And now I don't remember the whole night. You know, that that kind of sucks. We write songs about these things, man. <laughs> <laughs> Gary, where can everybody find you on social uh, over at Dimers? Uh, you can look me up on Twitter uh, at paranormal underscore base. Uh, my that's my handle for pretty much uh, everything. Uh and that's about it. You'll see, you'll see me on Twitter. It's uh, I like to have a lot of fun with the memes. So <laughs> come hang out. You still hang, you still doing your, um, your thing on Twitch? Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I stream video games sometimes. Uh, I haven't been doing too many of the, uh, those live streams where we do the betting thing. Cause it was, it ended up being me just, uh, talking and going over bets in it. And like, I wanted the engagement from the people and people were just watching and not really engaging. So we'll probably re revisit that when I get a little bigger of a following where people more in are engaged, asking questions. And uh, but that's coming soon. Definitely next season will be a consistent thing. Excellent. Looking forward to that. And uh, hopefully we get you back on during the season. We'll talk once the uh, once you get a little data to work with. We'll, we'll know uh, we'll know where to go. Oh, forget it. Maybe like mid-June or something like that. That'll be nice. Yeah, man. Well, he, who knows? By then, you know, Vladdy Guerrero will have like 35 home runs. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, some, someone's breaking 61 this year. I could feel it. You think so? Yeah. Yeah. Someone did. did. The weather's going to warm up. Someone's going to go off. Manfred's going to slip his Super Bowls in there again. It's going to be awesome. I was thinking, like, like what are they going to do? Because there, there's, there's rumors about the contract year, how they've changed the balls on purpose to kind of yeah. limit payroll and uh, salaries. Uh, but they added all these humidifiers in these in these stadiums uh, the, the last season. They they uh, they kind of like slipped it in there uh, under the radar that they added these humidifiers like they do in Coors Field to a lot of these stadiums where these balls sit in these. Uh, uh, is it humidifiers or dehumidifiers? It's a, it's a humidor. So, it yeah, it humidor, like, humidor. Uh, yeah, kind of like um, 
it adds moisture to the balls. Now, in thin air, like up in Denver, that ball in the humidor, it's going to keep it from traveling as far. I want to say in regular, like regular air or, or above sea level air, um, it, it it should shouldn't have such a drastic effect. I, I'm not a scientist on that part, but um, I, I did a, just a little bit of very basic digging. I don't think it's going to have such an effect on power. Um, if anything, from what I was reading, I believe exit velocity off the bat should stay same. They're saying the drag could be affected, but they don't know yet. Uh, again, the way way above my fucking pay grade. <laughs> <laughs> We gotta yeah, we'll see though. But we'll, 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 I think the Yankee Stadium has it. I think City Field has it. There's there's about like ten stadiums that have it. Right oh, now. I think all thirty starting this season have it. Really? Yeah, I think they were slipping them in over the last year or two, and then starting this year, all thirty, all thirty stadiums have a humidor. My, my my beef with the MLB with all this is they're way too secretive about the changing of the balls. And this, the, the humidor story went way under the radar. It was like barely ever talked about. Uh, I don't think any big network posted, posted about it. Uh, this is a big deal though. Like to, especially for if you're gambling on it or, you know, you want to see home runs. It, I feel like every time they change something, they don't talk about it. It should be an announcement. Hey, we're, 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 we're changing the balls. We're, we're juicing them up. They didn't tell us that we had juice balls until they finally got caught and admitted it. Yeah. Oh, and they didn't tell any. I I, I want to say that MLB buying Rawlings, the, the company who makes the balls, I want to say that that didn't come out until somebody found out that MLB purchased Rawlings. I don't know that for, for sure, but I think that's how it went down, that MLB like secretly, pur- secretly purchased Rawlings. And, you know, that's a conflict of interest in itself, whether it was secretive or not. If MLB is buying the company that produces baseballs for them, you know, that just leaves a whole world of uh, possibilities for them to, to tinker. And then that, you know, when with all that money at stake and the possibility yeah. of collusion, there's a lot to be, uh, you know, a lot in that. That's, that's why I have uh, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I always give the benefit of doubt about anything, but I will definitely put my tinfoil hat on and <laughs> agree with the players saying that. They're doing they're they're making the balls less juiced for contract years for big name players and stuff like that. That that's got to be the reason why they're so secretive about this, because they're doing this on purpose to really uh, try to control the market. Yeah. Oh, they, they have, you know, I think MLB and, and team owners have been caught colluding in the past. I believe it was oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Bud Selig and uh, Jerry Reinsdorf. When they were both owned, well, Reinsdorf is still with the White Sox when Selig was the owner of the Brewers. Um, they got caught. They were, you know, pretty much in, in, in the driver's seat for collusion. Uh, cost a handful of guys something, a bunch of money. Boy, I wish I had the details of that in front of me. But, yeah, that was just <laughs> before the, uh, the 94 lockout. Um, a 94 strike, I should say. Uh, yeah. Oh, boy, look at us. We got off on another tangent. We were about to sign off. <laughs> Good stuff, man. Jerry, I can't really, I can't thank you enough for coming on. And uh, I look forward to having you back, man. Anytime you want, brother. I'm here. I'm available. Excellent. You guys know where to find Jerry. Like you said, it's paranormal underscore base on Twitter. Dimers.com. Plenty of specials if uh, gambling and, and all that stuff is your thing. If not, it's always fun just to follow the uh, follow the boxes. I've been looking at the uh, <laughs> the lines in, in, the, in the box scores in the sports section since I was a little kid. You don't have to gamble enjoy that stuff otherwise uh you guys know the sign off it's let's fucking go Mets and uh, we'll see you next week hopefully with some more wins to discuss see you next time peace